everyone. Appreciate you joining. Um, just going to run through a few things. Uh, first off, kind of that I just had some notes on, just some topics that I think were relevant just given the last 48 hours or so. After that, I'll answer a few questions that came in back when I first posted the space. And then um, after that, I'll open it up kind of to anybody that wants to get up here and say anything. And we'll just kind of go through some topics that people have, have in mind. Uh, first off, I guess I'll start with the um, intro presser today. I think everyone kind of had the same reaction for the most part. Um, it was refreshing to kind of see um, the emotion that uh, Coach Smith had in the, um, in the press conference. Uh, you could obviously tell that he was excited to be here. As I had kind of said in the SD Peral show a few days ago, this decision wasn't as easy for him as you'd think. Um, you'd think that just because the Pac-12 has kind of blown up, that he'd just go ahead and just take the next best job he could find. Wasn't really the case. Um, obviously, everyone knows about the fact that Oregon State is his alma mater. He's responsible for two of their three 10-win seasons ever in school history, one as a coach last year and one as a quarterback in, in 2000. But beyond that, um, Oregon State was set up for success next season as well. Very high likelihood that they would have won at least eight or nine games, if not more. They were going to play anywhere from four to six power five opponents. Um, they were going to have most of the offense back. The um, question for Smith really wasn't just Michigan State versus Oregon State. It was Michigan State right now or maybe any other job next offseason. And um, obviously he chose Michigan State, and that's credit to Alan Haller and the search committee and the vision they sold him on. And um, he had emerged as the top choice about four or five weeks ago, but obviously no offer was made until after the – Two rounds of interviews were done. Um, as Alan said today, 12 people were interviewed in round one. Not necessarily sure how many people were interviewed in round two, but from what it sounds like, Smith had um, validated the interest that Michigan State had in him uh, in just his round one interview, and then round two was pretty quick. After that, um, obviously they gave him the verbal offer, and he came back, and I'm not sure how much uh, counter-negotiations there were, just because from the time I was told the offer was made until the time that it was accepted, it was pretty much um, not even 24 hours. So, yeah, good job by by Haller and the and the guys and, and um, Jen Smith and all the others that were involved in the search. But I think at the end of the day, Smith really wanted to be here. Um, there's obviously no doubt in that. He has three young kids, and you don't just move the whole family over here after never really living west of, I want to say, Montana. Um, and so, yeah, he, he wanted to be here, and we'll see what he does. But kind of the initial impressions in just the last few days or so, um, I know the big talking points are the new staff, the um, transfers that could possibly be coming in, the people that have transferred out, any possible high school recruiting flips that could happen. I would say the first order of business would be for Smith to complete the staff, um, he's not going to just go ahead and start targeting a defensive lineman if he doesn't have a defensive line coach there to evaluate and decide who would be a good fit, um, how many bodies they need, and things of that nature. Um, at the same time, though, the coaches that did come over, they have done a good job of already reaching out to former Oregon State commits. Um, they started acclimating themselves to Michigan State commits before they even landed here. I know they started reaching out to people on the flight from Corvallis. Um, yesterday on their first day here, they had already reached out to several 
state of Michigan 2024 prospects, many of whom they probably won't end up offering and, and going after, but they um, still wanted to be visible and make it a priority to them and to their coaches that they're going to be recruiting the state of Michigan hard. We'll see the success that they have at it, but at least on the first day, they haven't waited and they know what the mission is. Um, with filling out that staff, obviously we've reported a lot of the hires that have been made so far. Um, the two most impressive ones right off the bat were um, Jim Mashalchek, the offensive line coach, and Brian Wozniak, the tight ends coach. When Smith was kind of negotiating with Oregon State, the three coaches that he was kind of most fearful of losing were those two that I mentioned, and then Trent Bray. Um, if he had stayed at Oregon State, um, a lot of people were coming after Trent Bray. I think he interviewed for the USC defensive coordinator job as well. Um, since Smith left and that head coaching job at Oregon State popped up, which Trent was just named um, the, the next permanent head coach at Oregon State um, a few minutes ago, that's kind of logical and that's kind of what was expected. Uh, when I first reported that those three coaches were the ones that Smith had the most interest in bringing over along with others, I said right under that in the next paragraph that Bray would be hard and he's going to get a strong look at the Oregon State head coaching job. So that is exactly what happened. Um, there are... I don't want to say a couple names. I've heard that there are people that Smith has been impressed with and whose resumes he is well aware of and people that he is going to target, uh, one more so than some, than some others, but not sure of the interest that might be reciprocate, reciprocated and kind of how the timeline of that would shake out. But um, Smith is going to target whoever the best coaches are, um, especially at the coordinator positions. I don't think that regionality should matter. At the same time, um, it seems like, um, as my colleague Stephen Brooks reported on our site, that Coach Hawkins is about on the one or two yard line away from having his move finalized to return. Um, so that'll be some regional familiarity there. We'll see what happens with Coach Hawk, uh, or sorry, um, uh, Coach Harlan Barnett. So you got about two guys right there. Brian Wozniak, he's born in Ohio, played at Wisconsin. So right there's three guys with Midwest roots. And then we'll see what he does with the D-line coach opening and then the linebackers coach opening, which I assume would also fall under the D.C.'s responsibilities for the most part. Um, he did have a special teams coach at Oregon State that will not be joining him, and he was responsible for just the special teams. So we'll see how he structures the staff. This time around, he might have two DBs coaches, um, one accompanying Blue Adams, um, who we reported was headed over. So essentially, that's kind of where the staff stands right now. We'll see the timeline on filling those those positions. Obviously, Smith knows with the portal opening on December 4th, you can't just sit around and take his time and interview a lot of guys. Like, as we know, um, the previous staff took their time filling out a lot of positions, especially when um, the candidates were kind of iffy. But anyway, the um, kind of the process here now is just making sure you get the right guy, but also don't take too long. I think D.C. would probably be the most important. D-line coach at the same time, though, you probably want someone that would work well with that D.C., so you can't just go ahead and probably hire one um, without even slightly consulting who your next D.C. candidate would be. So that would be something that he needs to move on quickly, and I'm sure he's been assembling a list and, and kind of talking to guys as this Trent Bray thing was unfolding. But yeah, so step one would be getting the staff together. Step two would be continuing to recruit the roster at hand, the kids that have entered the portal from here. Um, kind of putting it candidly, the... The roster, the way that it was, definitely had more, I guess, of a higher baseline of talent um, than when um, Mel Tucker got here. The cupboard was not totally bare this time around, but at the same time, 
the amount of, I guess, the best way to put it is like NFL-ready guys on this team, the top tier of this roster was not necessarily ready to compete for Big Ten titles and stuff, as, as I don't think that's crazy, crazy to say. As a result, I don't think it really matters um, if you hear like portal names kind of, of people entering. At the same time, though, you would need depth, so it'd be nice if they can get a few kids to come back. Really, the way I see it, though, is as a new coach, you'd probably like to see Jonathan Smith have about 35 allotment spots to play with in terms of in terms of intake. Right now, um, I think I updated the Excel about at 6 o'clock. I don't think anyone's entered since then. But you're looking at about 21 enrollment spots right now. They have eight current commits, so you're looking at about 13 more new additions, not counting anyone else that leaves and that also doesn't include anybody that still has yet to post that they're definitely not coming back and using their next year. So some seniors are still on there that that probably won't end up being on there. But yeah, ideally you'd like to see about 35, maybe even 40 enrollment spots for Smith to play with. So you almost want um, a few more guys to continue to enter. Obviously anyone that wants to come back should be welcomed with open arms and anyone that desires to put on the green and white. But at the same time, I think um, it would be advantageous for for Smith to have a few more spots to play with here. Um, In terms of people that are coming over, I don't want to say anybody's names over at Oregon State and and cause any rumors or drama for them. But there are a lot of guys that do have interest in playing uh, for Coach Smith again. I know the reaction that you see on Twitter over there with guys posting the broken heart emoji and things of that nature are obviously common and you understand where they're coming from. But that is not the opinion of everyone on the team. And even some of the guys that have done that have different feelings about a week or so after the move. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what shakes out. Obviously, the big name everyone's talking about is Aiden Childs. Um, Coach Smith is not going to go ahead and try to poach him before Childs decides if he wants to play in the bowl game or not. I don't think he's going to try to do anything that is necessarily going to go out of the way to harm the Oregon State roster or anything like that in the, in the next few days. However, if someone decides that they do want to enter um, and they're leaving Oregon State anyway, he's going to make sure that they play for Michigan State instead of some other random team in college football. So with Childs and whoever else, um, it'll probably take a while to kind of see who wants to enter, who wants to play in that bowl game that Oregon State still has, and um, it'll shake out after that. So that'll be kind of a slightly delayed process unless kids start entering before the bowl game. I don't expect that to happen in record numbers because with Bray coaching that game, you'd think there'd be at least be some continuity for the next couple weeks. Um, we'll see about after that. Um, recruiting, yeah, kind of the same thing of needing the staff to be put together at some of those positions. They're not going to go ahead and offer kids at like D-line if there's no D-line coach there just yet. So we'll see what happens with the timeline on those. But a lot of these kids that were committed to Oregon State – they're going to be taking Michigan State official visits. They're going to see how they like it. And the relationships with their position coaches are still there. So it would make sense if, if both parties agree that it's best for them to come to Michigan State that you might see a few flips. Um, I think right now, the like I said, the, the new staff being put together and then them attacking the portal and high school recruiting the first, second, third weeks of December – That'll be kind of the next step here in the next phase of the beginning of the Jonathan Smith era. And um, trying to see if there's any other questions unanswered going through some of the replies here. Um, yes, yeah, somebody said it is pronounced Oregon. This is true. I also got it wrong in the SD for all show and half of the comments were about uh, me saying it wrong. Um, oh, 846 people. I uh, appreciate everyone uh, joining. 
We'll see if we can get it up over a thousand soon, like we have with some spaces here in the recent past. Um, yeah, but one of the points I made earlier today on the timeline was with the quarterback situation, obviously with, with the guys leaving, um, we'll see if any of them come back. I don't think so, but I also haven't asked and, and definitively gotten that as intel. But the way that I kind of see it is Jonathan Smith is a guy that got DJU, who wasn't even a top eight transfer quarterback, and turned him into a top 20 quarterback in the nation in terms of quarterback rating. Whoever he gets, whoever his quarterback is, whether it's Aiden Childs or somebody else, I would be stunned if the quarterback position is whatever holds this team back as long as he's here. We'll see what the weaknesses look like on the roster when it's done in January. But I would just kind of blindly wager that quarterback wouldn't be the position. We saw what he did with Jake Browning over at Washington. We saw what he kind of did last year winning 10 games at Oregon State with with a slightly um, instable quarterback room. And um, again, this year with DJU, while also managing, managing to give uh, Aiden Child some some snaps. So we'll kind of see. We'll see what, what happens with the roster in December and January. But I'm just not worried about the quarterback position at all. Um, I know that there were some some quotes given by Sam Levitt uh, on his way out to David Harnes um, over at Spartans Illustrated. I won't go too deep into them. The only thing I will say is that I can see why um, Coach Smith didn't offer Sam Levitt back then because that's the same class that he landed Aiden Childs in. So it wasn't necessarily a miscalculation on his part to prioritize Childs if he was able to land him over offers from Oregon and Washington that Childs had down there in Southern California. So I don't really see what he should have done differently um, in his 2023 quarterback recruiting cycle. Um, but if if Sam wants to, I guess, hold it against Jonathan Smith that he didn't offer him back then, um, he is free to do so. Um, I'm all for player empowerment in the portal era, and he can, he can go elsewhere that, that he thinks is a good fit for him. I doubt that it's going to be somewhere else that offered him because he didn't have that many offers um, as a recruit. Um, so that part of it is kind of disingenuous if, if he's making it seem like that's a primary factor in his decision for his next home. But at the end of the day, um, he has the right to go where he chooses to go. And um, we obviously wish him nothing but the best. Um, but yeah, so quarterback position, not too worried about that. Nathan Carter coming back and running back. A lot of guys left at wide receiver. We'll see how many of them come back. I think a couple of them might. Uh, but Nick Marsh, he should be solidly in the fold, as, as Alan True reported today at 24-7 Sports. Um, receiver is also the most talent-rich position in the portal. And with what these guys did um, over at Oregon State with kind of their passing game, um, the guys they had over there, Silas Bolden, Anthony Gould, they'll be able to sell the system and sell the tape, and they should be able to get portal guys in the wide receiver. And these guys really know how to evaluate the talent as well. Um, so that shouldn't be hard at all. I think um, offensive line, again, we'll see how many of these guys come back, but a lot of the guys that succeeded under Coach Michalczyk over there, they were not the most highly rated. He's one of those guys that not only develops them, and and you've heard the praises from more than just people like me. You've heard them from people out West that are independent, not necessarily Oregon State people. You've heard it from Oregon, Oregon State people. Um, you've heard it from Jeff Schwartz, the former NFL um, offensive lineman. So think there's not really much debate on, on how good and how qualified he is, but um, you really have um, some some work to do at offensive line and not necessarily the easiest position to patchwork through the portal, but at the end of the day, that's what these guys are paid the big bucks to do, 
we'll see what we'll see what December looks like, and um, after that, I guess we'll kind of reevaluate the roster. But right now, their approach should be target the best available at every position, get whoever they can. I wouldn't say that any position is off limits. I think if if the twenty twenty two class mostly sticks around at DB, that's probably going to be your most promising position of returning players. Um, but other than that, even there, if you can get someone that you think has NFL potential, you do it. If you can get someone at pretty much any position on the roster, best available, you do it. Um, so that's kind of just my answer to what the portal needs should be. I would say any of them and all of them. Um, and then we can kind of reevaluate that as people come back. Um, we'll open up the stage here. A couple of people have requested. Um, I'll bring up Matthew here. Hey Matthew, you can go ahead and unmute. And um, what do you what do you have today? Oh, uh, I I was not expecting you to actually accept that. I'm actually an Oregon State guy. Mm. Um, I, I I will say uh, you guys got some good coaches out there. Um, the I think a lot of people were really bummed to see uh, the O line coach Jim go because he's he's incredible. He's probably actually the best get you got out there. So I'm excited for you guys in that regard. Um, I mean, I, I'm happy to answer any questions you have about them. Um, I actually have a question for you, and you don't have to answer this, but um, have you seen the reaction from Oregon State players? Have you guys seen that, and what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, um, seems to be pretty much um, on brand with what happens a lot of the times when a coach leaves. Um, I don't know, like, how, how often you guys have followed, like, departures um, from, like, coaching. Um, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, I do think the fact that it happened right after the game maybe led to a little more of an outcry from the Oregon State community. And I've never at any point said that none of, that nobody's reaction was invalid or that, that they're kind of being overreactive. I think there's no really right or wrong way to – handle a situation like that if you're a fan because obviously with the conference instability and now here you have a coach that was very successful I don't expect people to be reacting in a in a tempered way or anything like that so I think the reaction is fine I think the reaction is valid but also I don't think that the move is anything abnormal one the only thing that I've pushed back on is a lot of the hate that that Jonathan Smith has gotten about um, oh, this meant that he had one foot out of the door the whole season. And this this led to a decreased effort from him. And he wasn't fully bought in this whole time when he was asking the players to be. Well, if that 8-4 and four season is what you get from a coach that's not fully bought in and three of the four losses are by a combined eight points, and that's one of the better seasons that Oregon State has had in a long time, I don't necessarily connect the dots between that outcome and Smith not being bought in. So that's really the one part of the reaction that that doesn't sit right with me. But other than that, I think um, I, I think it's normal to expect people to kind of be mad at him, and um, I don't really blame any of you guys. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I can speak to that as a as a Oregon State guy. We watched the games; we were very involved, and the mm-hmm. difference between you, you feel like you can you. I mean, it may be perception, you know, and after the fact, you know, right, right. But but you feel like there was a difference. Mm. And, and with decisions made, you know, going for it on fourth down when you have 26 yards or something, uh, a fake field goal. Yeah, that something. was not good. That, like things like that. Um, and then the Oregon game, uh, everything else, it, it all added up. And Beavs fans were like, okay, he had his foot out the door. Uh, like I said, it could be perception, but it, it that's how people feel in the moment when all this is going on. Right. No, that makes sense. And, and that fake field goal was, was not wise. I don't, I don't know what was happening there. 
But um, the, the special teams coach, thankfully, is is not coming over to East Lansing. But, um, yeah, no, I, I can see what you mean, especially with that Oregon loss. Oregon loss, sorry. And then um, it being the night the rumors start swirling and, and things of that nature. But even in that regard, I don't know if necessarily that was a reflection of him having a foot out the door in terms of the outcome. I think Oregon is just, Oregon is just that good. Um, but I guess you guys actually watched every snap of every every game every season, so I can't really um, counter anything that you've said. But um, yeah, I guess that's all fair. But at the end of the day, when you have a coach that leaves and the program's future is uncertain, I don't anticipate any possible way, anything that he could have done for people to not be mad at him. And one thing I will say is that I don't know necessarily the need for that interview um, that he did on radio. I know that was something that you guys have talked about a lot. But at the same time, he was very honest every single time that he spoke about it, I would say. I get at the end of the game when he said no decisions have been made, the decision was kind of made. But even then, like at no point had he tried in this process to try to discourage people into believing the rumors. At no point did he give false hope. And like 99% of the coaches do like almost everybody until the second they leave, they lie to the fans about that. No, I'm staying. I'm staying. Um, the only other one I can kind of remember that didn't do that um, was James Franklin when the USC rumors were happening, but that was more so as, as him trying to leverage um, his contract. And he would never say that he's staying just until the donors would give him more and more for the facility upgrades and the NIL pool. But other than that, like these are the only two coaches I can remember in the last four or five years that were kind of open and honest about not wanting to depart or about possibly departing. Yeah, I, I can agree with you on all of that. Um, the one thing I would say to Michigan State fans going forward is the is I would be concerned about the defense. And the reason I say that, uh, I, I would want to know who you're going to hire to run the defense. Obviously, Trent Bray just got announced as the mm -hmm. head coach. At Oregon State, we're very excited about that. Um, but if you look at his record, he's always been an offensive guy. I don't know if you – I'm sure you guys know. Yeah. He took Washington as the offensive coordinator to the college football playoff. Um, but he, his record before Trent Bray took over on defense was not great. Right. Uh, he didn't have the defense until Trent Bray took over. So I would be really interested to see who he's going to have running that defense. Right. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. Anytime an offensive-minded coach is hired – one thing that is promising um, is that he fired the last defensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Um, and I believe that defensive coordinator was someone that was on his original staff, right? Somebody that, that he... Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so like and at Michigan State, what we've seen is an over-loyalty to coordinators um, for, from the last two regimes. So that alone right there is kind of promising and refreshing. But I do agree that he has to get the D.C. higher right. Every offensive-minded head coach, their regimes are kind of determined by how well they can make the hire on the op opposite side of the ball. So definitely, definitely something to watch very closely. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I do think overall you got a good coach. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background here right. with Oregon state and, and MSU, but I think you got a good coach and I think it may not be right away, but I think you will have success. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate that, Matthew. Um, appreciate the perspective from the Oregon state side. No problem, man. You can get someone else yep. up here. Thanks. All right, Sean, what do you have for us today? You can go ahead and unmute and uh, ask the question. Hey, Sean. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Good. How you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, 
any chance you want to talk about DeAnton Lynn at all? <laughs> um, I uh, we can talk in hypotheticals about about DeAnton Lynn. What do you think? I I've I've been following um, Lynn ever since he was a defensive back at Penn State. Um, my dad's a Penn State alum, and I used to watch them a ton growing up. Remember back when they had that defensive back room with him and AJ Wallace and Lydell Sargent. And I've I've watched him. Um, I know that he was on the Baltimore Ravens staff. I'm not sure where he was just before that, but at UCLA, he's done a great job with. Um, he contained Caleb Williams. I know that last game they just played against Cal. That was brutal. But um, there's not a defensive coordinator in America that doesn't have one ugly game for the most part every single year, unless you're at Georgia and you're you got Glenn Schumann and the guys that he has. But um, yeah, I, I think he would be a very good candidate. Um, 33 years old um, would have familiarity with at least some of the teams that are going to be coming into this conference. Um, like I said, regionality doesn't really matter to me at coordinators. Just get the best guys that you absolutely can schematically. I don't care if they're from Alaska or from where. But um, I think it'll just depend on, one, his willingness to leave possibly a regime that is, in my opinion, in their last year there. I think the Chip Kelly regime is, has run its course. Um, I know they can't necessarily fire him after the 7-5 and five season, even though I probably would have. But that goes back to all of my issues with him when he was with the Eagles. Um, but I, I think, yeah, if, if Lynn is smart and he can get a better offer than of where he is right now, he should take it. Um, and I think Smith should be somebody that is calling him uh, now that Bray staying at Oregon State is official. Do, is there any other names out there? I mean, I'm just like, I think Nansen's one that comes to mind just because he's a Pac-12 guy. Right. I think he's probably yeah, he's done a good job. Smith he's done a good point. job this year. Yeah, it's probably another yeah. list, to be honest. I, I don't know if there's a better assistant job in the country this year than at that Arizona yeah. defense this year. Um Lynn's interesting because he's so multiple, right. man. I think watching their tape, it's it's very interesting. Right. It's like a you know, it's like you get a little your back up a little bit as MSU fan because you see a lot yeah. of three three five at times, but then it's also like three four right. at times. Like in base, you watch Oregon State tape. There's a lot of three four on right. there. Uh, and, 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 so it's, it's definitely and, interesting. And they're very I, good at they're a, very good at being dynamic in terms of who their opponent is. You see them watching playing against a mobile quarterback, they adjust to that. You see them against an air raid attack, they adjust to that. A ground and pound, they adjust to that. So they're very versatile in in kind of what you're saying with the different multiple looks, but also kind of uh, coaching against multiple different offensive schemes. Yeah, I think you see a lot of his dad, maybe obviously the Harbaugh's, like the, just the Ravens, how they play right. defense come out and a lot of what they do there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I guess I don't really have any other names to answer the question. Um, when I first tweeted about Lynn um, a week or so ago or a few days ago, um, there was not really any intel there behind that. He's just one of the guys that throughout the season I identified as being like a promising candidate. That doesn't usually always mean that that guy is going to have a great career the rest of the time. I know – I was high on Doug Belk at Houston a few years ago, and then he's had like two or three bad seasons in a row. So um, I'm definitely not the authority on up and coming young DCs, but I always keep my eye on that. Yeah, it's like the, it's like Jim Letter, right? right? What is he even doing right now? Right, right. I mean, exactly. Granted, I guess he he might be in the running for this job, but he like essentially he's, he what we had heard from him is like he turned down Green Bay and then obviously moved on from Wisconsin and then right. sort of what as an advisor in Illinois right now. So it's, right. it's odd, but yeah. yeah, I'd be shocked if you were in the running right now. I feel like he'd probably need another DC job. Before yeah. I, MSU. I, I haven't heard anything about him being in the running. 
Um, USC fans are trying to meme that into existence of them hiring him, which if that does happen, I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily gives him any additional credibility. Um, I mean, I guess if he goes over there and turns it around, sure. But on the surface of just getting the job as the DC under Lincoln Riley, to me, doesn't just automatically legitimize you. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see, we'll see where he ends up and he had some good years. Um, but also he kind of got shredded by Michigan state last year as one of the few teams that they, that they did shred. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see where he ends up, but yeah, no, not really any more names at DC, but the two PAC 12 guys that you brought up, I, I think those guys would be great. Um, I'll, I'll keep diving into kind of seeing what the chatter is, but no rumors of names really coming out beyond, yeah, beyond what we've talked about. Anything else, Sean? Thanks. No, I'll let somebody else have it. Okay, appreciate it. Um, we'll bring up Jake here. Been waiting a minute. Taking a second to connect you, Jake. Maybe we'll bring up Dave here as we wait. Hey, Dave, you can come off mute and um, ask what question you have for us today. Okay, we'll bring up Mr. Literal here. Oh, Dave, you with us? This isn't Dave. This is Mr. Literal. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks, Justin. Um, I have kind of two questions. Has right. indicated whether there's a timeline on what he's hoping, when he's hoping to name a DC? Do you think he's going to try to have one in place before the portal opens on the 4th? I would think that would be a reasonable goal to have. I think, obviously, the number one priority is hiring the right guy um, because this is somebody that ideally would be spearheading the defense for multiple years. And with him being an offensive guy, it's, this guy's going to be left to his own devices for the most part. But, I, I, yeah, I, I think even though you do have to get it right and you shouldn't rush it, you ideally do want somebody here in the next week to 10 days just because that guy would probably be wise to get input from and in filling out the defensive line job um, or the linebackers coach job if the DC doesn't take that under his wing. So, yeah, I think it has to be a good balance between um, kind of a sense of urgency, but then also hiring the right guy. But no, he and hasn't said anything about the timeline to answer your question. Okay. And have you heard from any of the defensive players on if they're waiting for an announcement? I mean, I know we've seen a lot of offensive guys you know, say they're going to list their intent for the portal, but we haven't seen much on defense. Are they waiting for that? Or do you think that there's more guys on that side wanting to stay? I think um, that actually, um, that exact point there is what kind of gives credence to the fact that the guys that are, that are leaving are not necessarily leaving because of the coach coaching staff that's come in, that there's almost kind of not really any correlation with that. A lot of guys were going to transfer out no matter what, uh, once the season ended, it didn't make sense for them to transfer out in the middle of the season because, um, A, if they were someone that had already redshirted, them leaving in the middle of the season was not going to help them preserve eligibility. The season was wasted anyway, so they figure might as well get some tape. Um, so those guys are going to leave no matter what. The timing of doing it like right when the coach got there doesn't really have any correlation with the actual staff's arrival. It was just the first Monday after the season ended. Um, so... And really, when it comes to the new coaching staff and, and how they might impact things, that's going to start in the future here, like in the next few days of can they get guys to stay? Um, can they re-recruit them back in? 
But I think it just so happened to be that the offensive side of the ball just had uh, more guys that, I don't know, maybe were just more unhappy the last few months. I don't necessarily know. Maybe I shouldn't speculate. But no, I don't think the defensive guys are waiting to enter until they meet the D.C. Because I know the offensive guys that entered did not enter just because of their meeting with Smith or the O.C. And then we're like, oh, let me leave because I didn't like what I heard or anything like that. These guys had decided this long ago. Um, and now the work would start to re- try to re-recruit these guys back. So not really that much of a correlation in that regard. Okay, great. And my last question mm-hmm. is, can you just kind of lay out what the portal timeline is for the next month or so? I know it opens the fourth, but, it, you know, we got bowl season. Does it close before the end of that? Or if, you know, like I know like Giles is at Oregon State. Right. If he wants to play the role and then come over. Is, does it close and reopen? Could you just lay that out for us, please? Yeah, I actually should Google the end date, but it would not be um, – the, the guys that have bowl games would definitely have time to enter afterwards. Um, so that's not going to be an issue because it's at least the 45-day window in, in December. Um, so I don't know exactly which day in January. Um, yeah, I'll look that up as we continue talking, but yeah, no, those guys will have time after the bowl game. It's, this is the longer window of the two. And then in the spring in April, um, it's a shorter window. I think they're changing some of these dates. I don't know if they take effect this year, but definitely the guys in the winter will have time after their bowl games end. Okay, great. Thanks, Justin. All right, let's see if we can get Dave back up here. Hey, Dave, you with us? I am. I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Hey, uh, I got a couple things. First, this is the first okay. time I think I've engaged with you, and I just think your coverage is so thoughtful and interesting. I always look forward to you reporting, so thank you. And I, love I appreciate that. that. Thanks okay. a lot. Appreciate the support. Yes. Um, so I've got um, – First, I have a random one. I just okay. want to say to all the Spartans out there that I really hope we get Riley Bulla over from Notre Dame onto this defensive staff. I know he's not – he's just getting started in the coaching world, but he's a perfect – that's a perfect signal that Smith gets the Spartan world. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, invalid at all. I think uh, Riley has, has rave reviews um, as, as a GA over at Notre Dame. I think the only thing that possibly could hold that back is that most DCs, um, I shouldn't say most, I don't know the exact numbers on that, but a lot of the DCs that I've come across in just my random research, they also happen to be linebackers coaches. So, and, and, and Riley's definitely, or sorry, Max Bull, I believe, right? Um, yeah, Max at Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, Max. Sorry. Yeah, he's not necessarily um, – to the point where you absolutely have to hire him as a linebackers coach, even if that means stripping that responsibility away from your DC, who that's that's been his natural secondary kind of role. So I do agree that he's someone that Michigan State fans should keep on the radar, and someone that if the DC that that Smith hires is not a linebackers coach, that that he's someone they should look at. But if the DC is someone that's a DC slash linebackers coach, then at that point I don't really see it fitting. Yeah, I hear you. I, I mainly, I just think I've, I've been hoping they just get him in there somehow, right. some way, even if it's a, a very junior position. Um, so on the defensive coordinator front, um, I I looked at that Spartan Wire article, and they had a couple names that were interesting. I was especially intrigued. I mean, some you've covered a couple right. of them, um, but uh, when. Um, 
I'm blanking on the Toledo coach's name who was bandied about for our job, but um, they had Vince uh, Cares, I guess is how you Yeah, pronounce. Vince Cares, yeah. I, I've covered him extensively um, the last few weeks. Or I shouldn't say covered him extensively, but he was in my coaching hopboard article for Jason Candle, and I've tweeted about him as well. Yeah, so he looks very interesting, and, and it seems like Toledo really turned it around. There may be pressure to have a higher-profile guy, but he seems impressive. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think with um, Karis, I guess you always have to wonder about the jump up to the Big Ten level, but um, he checks every box in terms of what you would have liked to have seen from him at the MAC level. I know people are holding that um, final game of the season against them where he gave up a lot of points to, I think it was Bowling Green, but again, like there's not a DC in America that just goes through the whole season without giving up like a ton of points in one random game. And um, Karras is from that legendary Larry Karras coaching tree. His dad over at Mount Union in, in Ohio. Yeah. Um, his dad won 11 national titles. I think uh, Vince. I think he won anywhere from three to five. I think three. Um, I think he was like seven to three and nine as a head coach there. Then um, Matt Campbell came over to Toledo and brought Vince with him. And um, in year one, he took Toledo from, I think, 11th in the MAC to number one in total defense. And in the conference, they have not moved from the top spot ever since he's gotten there. So he's very impressive on paper. I don't think there's any ties between him and Smith, um, but that doesn't mean that agents or search firms or someone can't put them in touch. But there's not really any reason to believe that that's something that could happen. But I think that he's somebody that, that should be looked at. Um, but if they want to go with somebody that's more proven at the Power 5 level, I definitely wouldn't blame them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, last mm -hmm. thing is Aiden Childs. I've been obsessively watching uh, high school and college video and All-American Bowl video. That guy looks like he could be the best quarterback to come to Michigan State in a really long time. Yeah, I, his highlights are definitely special. I don't want to like get people's hopes up because it's not a done deal that he's coming here, but there's there's no question that um, that's not a crazy, crazy statement to make um, in terms of what he did in high school and what his tape looked like. Um, our West Coast guys at 24-7 Sports had him as a top 100 player for a reason. Um, and one thing I noticed about a lot of the Oregon State kids, they're ranked way higher on 24-7 Sports than they are on the composite. Um, so, like, I don't know necessarily how other sites are in terms of their strength of scouting and coverage on the West Coast, but it seems like that might be a common theme with this staff is they find guys that, maybe consensus-wise or not rated that highly, but at least one outlet often thinks that they are very good. And um, they just develop them, and, and you kind of see that they're getting some high-value steals here. And um, that's what they built that program off of. It's it's guys that are overlooked and underappreciated, and they develop them, and, and they, they go ahead and they beat Oregon last year. Um, and, and all of Phil Knight's money wasn't enough to, to avoid that upset. And that's kind of the blueprint for how they operate over there or operated over there at Oregon State. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's very D'Antonio like right. and exactly what we need. But Childs, I mean, I don't think he's that overlooked. Well, that yeah, definitely is, not. He's a beast. He's got like he's got some Lamar Jackson in yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He, he can throw the ball effortlessly sixty yards. Um if if someone were to search Aiden Childs on Twitter, they're gonna see um the one clip um is yeah, sixty two yards in the air. Um, on a deep throw, and then the other highlight that I've seen circulating a ton is um, a 25 or so yard run, touchdown run, and um, yeah, he just best best of both worlds. Yeah, I saw him there. I found one in one of those videos where he looked like K 
Kenneth Walker eluding uh, the entire defense that seemed to be about to sack him, and then he ran all. He basically did an S around the whole line, and then took it for a first down. Right. Anyway, I'll I'll leave the floor to others. But thanks, yep. and keep up the great. Appreciate game. it. Thank you. All right, Matt. What do you have for us today? Hey, T. How are you, my good? Friend? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We got a coach. Yeah. Um, so I, I had uh, a few questions. A couple of them got covered. Um, I think the one I'm probably most curious about is uh, we've obviously seen the portal movement go on and everyone's a little bit nervous about. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be such a big deal just because I think the portal is just going to be chaos. Right. Um, mine is just about actually the things to be worried about is what position group uh, has you a little bit nervous every time someone transfers out from it or has yet right. to, but if they did, what would be an issue? And then also um, kind of what's the, the timeline for when we should start being concerned that the staff isn't full. I'm not trying to be concerned. Right. I love, love the hire and everything, but I just, I like to have a little, little timeline and a deadline for things. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Some, some good doom and gloom in here since everyone is so positive. Thanks a lot, Matt. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. Those are those are good questions. Um, so yeah, in terms of the transfer portal, um, possible areas of concern, my answer will always be offensive and defensive line. Um, wide receiver, running back, I don't think um, are ever hard to go ahead and identify game-ready guys to come in at in day one. Um, mostly at defensive back, you can say the same. I know that the previous staff missed on a few guys there, but um, it's not as easy as wide receiver or running back, but you're mostly good over there. Even quarterback, like you can get a serviceable guy pretty easily. You can't get an elite guy pretty easily, but there's a lot of serviceable guys there. Um, and DJU is pretty much just serviceable, maybe even a little worse than that before Jonathan Smith turned him into a top 20 quarterback on based on QBR. So, yeah, I think offensive and defensive line always. Um, there's a good amount of interior offensive linemen, but – tackles it's just it's very hard in the portal to rebuild the offensive line that's another one of the reasons why people are saying like under the last regime like it's going to take three to four years to rebuild the offensive line especially when the last staff before tuckers they had just like a lot of guards playing tackle and it wasn't a great unit in terms of they had a lot of numbers but it wasn't a lot of refined offensive tackles and it wasn't a great room in that regard so those rebuilds always take longer um so i guess Offensive line would be a little concerning, um, but luckily I think that's where they got the best coach from this new staff. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who comes back. We'll see who they target in, in um, December. But um, in terms of the second question, which was, oh, the staff not being full. Um, I would say that I would say probably more than a week into the portal season, um, unless the DC spot is the only one that's not full. Cause again, like that one has to be done right. No matter what, uh, but even that shouldn't take more than a couple weeks, I would say. Um, but yeah, I would probably say about like two weeks from now um, would probably be not ideal. Gotcha. Cool. Thanks Justin. Yeah, Raise the flag. For sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, all right, Jonathan, what do you have for us today? Or actually I have to add you as a speaker first. Um, all right, Jonathan, what do you have for us? What's up, bro? How you doing tonight, man? Good. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Uh, odds on – you might have covered this, and so I really apologize. Um, odds on Jim Leonard as the D.C. 
Like what's the what's the mm-hmm. word on that? Um, give me your give me your uh, your percentage on that. What's your thoughts? Um, percentage, honestly, like I haven't heard his name mentioned in association with the opening. So percentage, I wouldn't say is high, just based on the fact that I don't really have anything tangible to go on to to say otherwise. But like he's somebody that should be attainable. I think he might have interviewed for the USC job. Um, right now, he was just the, I think he was an assistant, uh, or he was an analyst or an advisor for, for Brett Bielma of Red Illinois. So I don't think it should be impossible to get him. I don't know necessarily if he should be the first choice. I know he had a lot of great defenses um, at Wisconsin for many years. Took a slight dip at the end, even though the talent didn't necessarily take a dip at the end. Um, I don't know how I necessarily feel about a three down front in the Big Ten. But at the same time, like 75% of the Big Ten is, is like mostly passing heavy. So maybe that's not that valid of a point. Um, I, I just personally would like to see um, them try to get one of the big fish out there with the with the portal or sorry, with the with the staff pool that they have now. Someone like maybe a Dan, Dan Tumlin at UCLA. But like you definitely could do way worse than, than Jim Leonard at the same time. So wouldn't have any objections to it, but haven't heard anything about that being possible. Um, I don't think the shine is where it was a few years ago. But again, like guy played safety in the NFL for 10 or 12 years. He had a lot of good seasons. Um, is he as great of a candidate as he was a few years ago? No. But does that mean they shouldn't call? Also, no. Sure, sure. All right, I buy that. Yeah. Uh, appreciate what you do, man. Thank yeah, you. thanks for listening, man. Thanks for the support. Yep. All right, Bennett, um, once you're connected, let's see uh, what you have for us. Okay, taking a second to connect. We'll add Dylan up here and see. All right, Dylan, you can come off mute and um, ask your question. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate all the work you, yeah. you do for MSU. Really love your stuff. Appreciate that. Um, so this is uh, regarding the Sam Levitt comments. Now, you know, correct me if I'm off base in, in anything I'm about to say, but if I'm being totally honest, I was completely shocked to hear those comments come from him. Uh, right. You know, I've not, I've never been a Division One athlete. I don't know what it's like to have the the ego that probably comes along with being high profile athlete like that. But it was really shocking to say the least to 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 see someone say that about another coach who seemingly is excited to to coach him i would imagine uh right and it made me think back to multiple interviews throughout the season from both harlan and jay johnson where they were pretty quick to say how confident sam was in himself and at one point harlan almost caught himself saying how cocky I think he thought Sam wasn't himself. Right. So I'm kind of wondering, like, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this, but I'm wondering if that's even a player that we want playing here, to, to be totally honest with you, and if that even goes with with the culture that Jonathan's trying to build. Um, so I, I, I juxtapose that with also remember hearing that his parents, I think, moved out to DeWitt all the way from the West coast when he came here. So the whole thing is just really confusing to me. And I understand that right. there are things you probably can't share. And I, and I respect that. Um, but I, I guess, what do you make of this? Can, can you say more about it? Right. Yeah. So I, I kind of spoke at it in the beginning and I was trying to tiptoe around it and not say too much. Um, Cause like I said, I'm all for players looking at other opportunities. I'm all for player empowerment and, and the portal era, but um, yeah, I, I was I was as shocked as you were with those quotes. 
Um, I don't think that um, most guys would, would make those kind of statements on the way out. Um, at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't really matter whether we think that he's somebody that, that the team would benefit from in terms of like the culture or not, just because it doesn't seem like he has any willingness to come back anyway. So that's, a, that's kind of a moot point. I do think that um, Jonathan Smith was right to not offer him back in the 2023 class since he got Aiden Childs. Um, I don't I don't think there's anybody that would tell you um, objectively that Aiden Childs is not the better of the two quarterbacks. Um, but Sam has the right to feel the way he feels about that. Um, and um, I guess it is not my place to judge too harshly there. But like I said earlier, if, if he ends up going to another coach that did not offer him out of high school, um, which would be pretty much most Power 5 programs, I believe – um, Washington State, Michigan State, and one or two other P5 programs were the only ones to offer him, then it kind of takes away some of the credibility from his re- stated reason for le- leaving, being that the coach didn't show loyalty to him as a, as a high school recruit. But um, I guess we'll see where he goes, and by then I'm sure Michigan State might have um, a more firm plan at quarterback anyway, and, then, and at that point I, I don't know if it should be in the forefront of our minds. We can hope, right? Yeah. Right. Um, can I ask another question? Is that yeah, cool? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, okay, thanks. Um, I guess I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, a lot of folks have been questioning Jonathan Smith's, you know, lack of ties to the Midwest and how that could potentially impact recruiting. You know, I, I kind of see it the the other way that, you know, with the, the Big Ten now being a right. West Coast to East Coast conference, I think – we potentially have a leg up on the rest of the traditional Midwest Big Ten programs now. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and what what benefits we now have in the recruiting space because of where he's coming from. Yeah, I hesitated to just completely dismiss that concern just because really that was the only concern I saw with Jonathan Smith. And I didn't want to come off as just someone that was like saying, oh, he's the perfect candidate, zero flaws, hire him now, A plus hire. I I didn't want to come off in that regard. But truly, it wasn't much of a concern for me at all. Because if you look at what is the hardest areas to recruit if you're Michigan State, it is the areas that are furthest away. Um, It is not the areas like Ohio and Michigan. I think a lot of guys would be able to recruit those just because of the Michigan State brand. You just have to be willing to recruit. Um, Smith and his staff, they're not dumb. If they know that, okay, it's easier for us to get a kid from Ohio than it is for us to get a kid from Texas – they're going to do what's in the best interest to win football games, and that's get the guys that they can get most successfully and efficiently, and that'll be the guys in Ohio and Michigan. At the same time, though, if you want to win, you want to have the highest available pool of talent um, in any process that you're trying to run, whether it's hiring coaches, whether it's getting players, or in the corporate world. So I don't understand it being a weakness to not have guys um, that are, or I don't think it's a weakness to have a lot of guys that are non-Midwest ties, as long as they don't just neglect the region and say, we're just going to keep doing it our way and just going to get guys from Hawaii and Oregon only, Oregon only and Washington. Um, so as long as they adapt, which I fully expect that they would, I don't necessarily see that them recruiting the state of the Midwest would be a concern whatsoever. Awesome. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Thanks for answering my questions and and thanks for letting me ask more than one. Appreciate it. Yep, for sure. Trying to, it doesn't show me who requested an order. So I hate to have anybody waiting longer than, than I guess the fair amount, but 
Kyle, um, what do you have for us today? Remember to come off mute when you join. Okay, we'll add somebody else. Trent, um, feel free to come off mute and ask your question. Hey, Justin, thanks for taking my question. So, yeah, for Trent sure. Bray, were there any discussions on him coming over to Michigan State? Because I thought I read that he had no interest in being a head coach. So I thought that maybe we would have a better shot at getting him a uh, defensive coordinator. Hmm. I never came across that um, report or that comment of him not having interest in uh, being a head coach. Um, I can't speak to that. Um, I would say that that if he did not get the Oregon State job, Oregon State job, that he would have been probably Michigan State's next defensive coordinator. Um, so yeah, it did seem like it was between uh, that and Michigan State. Um, but no, I, I didn't see anything about him not having interest in being a head coach. Um, so I can't speak to that. But um, yeah, so I think yeah, Jonathan Smith was aware that there was a very very high chance that if he stayed, uh, that if he took the Michigan State job, that. Trent Bray would be at Oregon State, Oregon State as the next head coach, and um, that's kind of what unfolded here. So we'll we'll see what his next plan of action is is at DC. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, appreciate the question. All right, Brett, um, what do you have for us today? Hey, I was just wondering. Um, I've seen kind of like Ken Talley kind of tweeting out at people and trying to rally portal guys or anything like that. And I know like Nate Carter's kind of come out and said he was ready to, you know, fight for whoever the next coach was going to be. I was just curious if there was um, any other players that you've heard about yet kind of rallying around the new staff and kind of feeling a little bit more excited about that or just anyone you can kind of see uh, stepping up kind of in that role as like a, a leader with like the new staff? I think, um, I think a lot of that stuff happens behind the scenes. Not a lot of guys like Carter got the chance to say that to the media right after the game. And a lot of guys don't feel the need to do it over social media. Um, so that's probably just mostly going to stay behind, like in the locker room behind the scenes. Um, I just, I will say that a lot of guys, um, they don't even have position coaches yet. So it's hard for them to recruit other guys to stay on the team and other, co other kids, like even, even the ones that are like fully, um, excited about what they might be getting from their potential position coach, uh, like a coach M if you're an offensive lineman still just kind of feel the need to look around because that's what they decided for two months that they were going to go ahead and do. And now they finally get the chance. So, I guess right now, like it's it's hard for a lot of guys to recruit other guys, um, just because these are decisions that have been made for two months. Um, but yeah, the guys that are doing that, I'm sure it's way more than just Tally and Carter. But um, personally, no, I haven't really asked around and tried to get people to reveal like who the who the leading forces are or anything like that to to hold the thing together. Um, plus, I think at the end of the day, if like you have to really recruit somebody to stay at Michigan State. Um, I don't know necessarily if that's best that you even kind of go ahead and, and get them back because there's going to be a lot of guys at the equal level or better than the guys that are leaving that Smith and his staff can get in. And like I said, ideally you want to get to about 35 enrollment spots for him to play with. And they, they would still need quite a few more guys to hit the end of the portal to even get that kind of a leeway. So 
think if someone wants to enter um, and if they think it's best for them and they can make a correct decision of where to go next and more power to them and whoever wants to be here, um, Smith and his guys will coach them up. Yeah, definitely. Agree. Thanks for everything you do. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for the question. Kyle, are you with us? Yeah, sorry, Justin. I don't know what happened before. I apologize. No, you're good. Hey, I just wanted to first off just thank you for everything. Again, I, I know I had messaged you privacy, but I've, you're reporting on the, this, the coaching hire from since Mel has been fired till Smith was hired was like top notch. So I just wanted to say thank you again for all uh, you yeah, did for Yeah, really appreciate that. I really appreciate the support. Um, the question I have for you, you may have answered this previously. I missed the beginning a little bit. Um, so I think Smith has brought over, what, five coaches now. Do you know if he – do you have any intel or thoughts if he will bring any more Oregon State coaches over, especially with Bray being promoted there? Um, and then do you have, like, a any intel or top two, three people that might be in running for the defensive coordinator job that could come over to us since, I guess, Bray is pretty much out of the – obviously he's out of the running now. Yeah. Um, I don't anticipate any other coaches coming along. Um, <clears throat> I do think that, um, had, um, as I said, like just recently, like if, if Bray didn't get the Oregon, Oregon state head coaching job, that he was probably going to be coming along, but I don't think any of the other guys will that haven't come along yet. At least that I haven't heard anything to that effect just yet. Um, in terms of the DC candidates, um, now I, th I think right now they're pretty much operating, um, very quietly and close to the vest. Um, they don't want to raise any alarms of who their candidates are and kind of direct extra attention to them and maybe turn it into a bidding war. If a few different people are after a guy like Denton Lynn over at UCLA or something like that. Um, but like, no, it, it seems like from what I've heard, um, the, the name or two that I have heard, they are going to be looking at guys that are nationally sought after and, um, at coordinator, I don't think region is going to be the focus. I don't think they should limit themselves to just the best DC in the Midwest. It needs to be the best schemer, um, and, and coordinator they can find at, at DC and they'll look everywhere that they're going to, um, try to possibly find one. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Again, appreciate everything you've done for the Michigan State fan base. Appreciate it. Appreciate the kind words. Okay. Um, Coach Heston, I believe you've been connected. You can come off mute. And um, what do you have for us? What's up, Justin? Just want to say, appreciate your coverage. I think you do a great job. Um, my question is, appreciate I was that. on the Oregon State spaces, like a bunch of us sickos, the other last three days, four yeah. days. And they're ripping Lindgren. I don't know much about him. Obviously, the offense was good, and Smith's got the massive offensive background. At this point, I don't know what you're hearing about how good of a job he's done or will do for us, but we have one of the highest assistant coaches salary pools. I saw us throw almost a million dollars. I think it was a million dollars at Jay Johnson. Is there anybody else we can get, like a top five OC? We have the money to do it, or is this more Smith's offensive guy and he's like comfortable with Lindgren like running his system? Yeah, like, I don't necessarily understand, like, where a lot of that frustration and criticism was coming from. I'm sure it's valid, because, like, when you watch an OC for 60 minutes a day, like, or 60 minutes a game, like, you can find stuff that, like, just, like, irks you. But at the end of the day, Oregon State fans kind of need to understand, like, where Michigan State fans are sitting. This was, like, gross incompetence on the offensive side of the ball this year in East Lansing. And then here you have a guy in Lindgren who averaged 33.8 points per game in arguably the toughest conference in football this year with a transfer quarterback that, that couldn't make an accurate throw at Clemson. 
And in one year, he transformed him into, as I've said many times, the top 20 quarterback in the nation in quarterback rating. So whatever criticisms and qualms you might have on a snap-by-snap basis, which I'm sure there's probably a, a crazy third down call that made no sense or something like that, but, like, you have a guy that as an overall product is just far and away better than what Michigan State has had in, in a while. So um, I do agree. I've seen the same stuff that you're seeing. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to some Oregon, Oregon State people, and I'll dive deep into kind of what these criticisms were. But I watched them play multiple full games in the entirety, not just highlights. Um, and that scheme, especially the running scheme that, that Coach M had his hand in, it is night and day better than what Michigan State does. And um, as Smith being somebody that was uh, the OC at Washington before this, if it starts getting off the rails and he's already he fired his last DC at Oregon State in the middle of the season, I really don't have any concerns there at all. Like I get the coaching pool is high in terms of the resources that are there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he should um, just go ahead and force himself to hire somebody he's not comfortable with let a, and just fire a guy that had – 33.8 points per game this year and about 32.7 or 32.9 last year. I mean, last year it was with kind of a semi-unstable quarterback room too, from my understanding. So I don't know. I I don't I don't buy a lot of the just general like distaste for them that they have, even though I'm sure that on a case-by-case basis they might be that. Yeah, and I agree with what you're saying. I attribute it's probably equivalent to us running jet sweeps as a fan base. In 2015 with Dave Warner, we got sick of watching it, but that 2015-2014 offense at Michigan State broke records and got us to the playoff. Right. And everyone's hating. They didn't like it. It got stale, whatever. So I see what you're saying. It's probably just like the digital damn guy, and they're all salty that Johnson Smith left. That's got to be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't – yeah, I'll look deeper into it. But just the points per game, like – Give me that any day after what we've been watching the last few seasons. I agree. Any competent offense at all, throwing the ball down the field, a competent yeah. run game, it's going to be fun to watch football again, hopefully. I agree. I agree. So, all right, man. Appreciate yeah. you. Pre- appreciate the question, yeah. man. Thank you. All right, Frank, what do you have for us today? Hey, Justin, just curious. Realistically, do you think Barnett stays? Does he go to Indiana as a head coach? Is he head coach material? What's his role if he stays? Just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't think Indiana's um, hiring Coach Burnett as a head coach. Um, I do not actually know his desire to remain like an on-sideline coach. Because if he were to be interested in something like a player engagement or off-field support staff, I think that there's no question that Michigan State would like to keep him. In terms of one of, of being one of two defensive back coaches – um, I don't think Smith has made that final decision. Um, I know one of those two spots are going to be held by Coach Blue Adams, but the other sort of a spot, if there is, if there even is another secondary coach spot on the staff, I don't know for sure if it's going to go to Harlan Barnett. I know he did kind of give comments um, the day that Smith was hired that he's staying, and then he clarified those comments right after that to say I would like to stay unless I get a head coaching job. So we're still waiting to see where that trends, um, but I do not anticipate him getting a head coaching job, um, at least not this offseason. So that'll be interesting to see for sure. Do you think he's qualified to even stay on staff? And I know that I, I get he's a Spartan dog through and through, but it was a brutal season, right? It's been brutal secondary the last few years. Right. 
Yeah, I, 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 it's a, it's a very tricky subject because on one hand, like he's, he did so much to keep the staff uh, or sorry, the, the kids together because I had said um, right after Mel Tucker was, was suspended that there is going to be attrition in the middle of the season. I don't think the attrition is going to be as bad as a lot of you guys are thinking. I think it's going to be pretty tempered attrition, but there's going to be some attrition and Barnett managed to have even less guys out of the portal than I thought. Um, every single day he showed up and he fought in, 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 in tough circumstances. But at the same time, um, I would be lying to you guys if I didn't think that this team should have won at least six games this year. And the coaches, um, or sorry, the players were good enough to do so. Um, and I guess that's just where I will leave that topic. Because every time I've interacted with Coach Barnett, I have nothing but really positive things to say. He was dealt an impossible hand. Um, he bleeds green more than anybody, like he has said. But, um, yeah, from a coaching perspective, it wasn't good enough. I just I, I can't lie to you guys about that. Um, but I, I also will say that um, if, if um, Coach Smith wants to retain some guys for, for familiarity of the program and familiarity of the region – I do think that the two guys most qualified in that regard would be Coach Barnett and uh, Coach Hawk. Um, I would like to see some better recruiting, though, out of out of Coach Barnett than we've kind of seen in the last few years. But I will also say that Reggie Powers, who was committed to Michigan State before the Mel Tucker saga broke, him and his dad specifically cited Coach Barnett as being one of the biggest reasons that they committed to Michigan State. So um, – can't take that away from him, uh, no matter no matter what maybe the recruiting results in 2021 and 2022 might have looked like. And Dylan Tatum had a lot of good things to say about Coach Barnett as well. So across the board, there might be some inconsistency in his recruiting record since his return to Michigan State, but got to give him credit in, in spots where credit is due there. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess it, it's – yeah, I think I, think I kind of answered that the best I could. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully I did. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the question. Smart Dog 97, what do you have for us today? Hey, Justin, what's going on, man? Uh, good, how you doing, man? Good. So I, I'm, just, I'm just a little curious, right? Like, um, I guess Corey reported that, uh, that Mahal Checker, um, however you say his name, was introduced to the team today. Um, right. You know, when are these kind of when are these hires expected to be made like official official like because there's really been i guess little acknowledgement of like the assistants that have come over from from Oregon State or um you know besides guys who have like updated right. their twitter bios like when can we expect kind of some of those things to kind of kind of put right. in stone my guess is that they're going to wait until the entire staff is here, and then they're just going to do a press release for the entire staff as as one whole unit. That would be my guess. I guess I don't see the downside to them just doing it individually for each coach, but that's what I've seen a lot of times um, in the past elsewhere at, at other schools. Gotcha, gotcha. I was just I, I was just yeah. curious because I was just you know, right. I was looking around and. You know. Yeah, and it was and there were some just crazy rumors coming out from Oregon State about. Um, like right after Corey, or I guess I should say the night before that Corey reported that Michal, that coach, um, Michalczyk arrived here and, and, and introduced himself to the team and met with the offensive lineman the night before that, 
Oregon State's message board, um, and not one of the staff. It was one of the posters that um, I believe has a son on the team or says he has a son on the team. He said that they were going to bring back um, – they were hoping to bring back – they were in the middle of negotiations to bring back Coach M and uh, Coach Wozniak. And both of those guys arrived in East Lansing with John, with Jonathan Smith that morning. And, um, yeah, so then – so Corey reported that Coach M met with the team. I reported that Coach Wozniak met with his his tight ends. And then the same message board poster went ahead and said that, um, okay, yeah, fine, they got Coach M, but – now, what Coach Wozniak, he's he's still here. I can promise you that. And last night, he had negotiations um, with, I think he said Scott Barnes, but it might have been one of their donors, I think Scott Sanders. Um, I don't necessarily remember his exact words. And then I circle back to the people that told me he met with the tight end room. And they were like, no, I can, we can genuinely guarantee you that we looked Coach Wozniak in the eye today, shook his hand physically in the building, and still some of those people on, on that message board were, were kind of pushing back at my reporting. So I guess I don't know what purpose that tangent serves, but I thought that was a pretty interesting development. So I went ahead and just told that story. But I think, um, yeah, that was that was a crazy twist. So I do understand you asking about making it official with, with stuff like that flying around. But, um, yeah, so I, those guys are here for sure. And um, the other guys here are too That out of that five. Gotcha. That that's all I had. Thanks, Justin. Right, for sure. Appreciate it, man. Jason, go ahead and uh, unmute. And uh, what do you have for us? Hey, Justin. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I have yep. two questions. Do you think uh, Coach Salgado will be back? And then the second question is regarding kind of the offensive line. The Spartans lost uh, a few guys to the transfer portal. Do you expect any of those guys to come back? Do you think they're going to go with young guys or rely on transfers? I also realize that that's kind of an early on question. So right, thanks, yeah, for sure. So the first question with Salgado, I had heard early on that um, Coach Smith was very impressed with um, what he saw with Salgado on paper, but that was not tied to any decision um, in terms of what was going to happen. That didn't really necessarily speak to him being someone that was necessarily going to be retained. Um, but just that, like he was one of the people he identified on paper as having a highly qualified resume. We'll see um, if there is a second spot for the DB coach um, on, on Coach Smith's staff. We'll see if that goes to Harlan Barnett. Maybe that goes to Salgado. I haven't heard much about Salgado ever since Smith landed. That was more of a before-he-landed type of thing as someone he identified that he liked, but haven't heard anything in the last three days about Salgado, two days about Salgado possibly being retained. So maybe I wouldn't put the odds too high, but I heard originally some early positivity towards that, but haven't heard anything since. With the portal, I honestly don't have any insight on who could possibly return. Um, I would say that there are some guys that have entered that would be wise to return just based on the fact that I think they're going to be getting some very good coaching um, at their position group and will also be benefiting from easier playing time this year than last year. But nobody kind of made me the advisor or made me kind of the authority of, of telling kids what's best for them. So we'll see what they do. But I think there's a few guys that would definitely benefit from that if that's what they choose. Sounds good. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate the question. Um, Mitchell, you can go ahead and unmute and ask your question. Hey, Mitchell, you with us? Hey, Justin. Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Um, 
Yeah, so I just had a quick question on Deathorn. I get a yep. little tripped up sometimes with, um, you know, some of the different recruiting roles and, and all the different people that are involved in that department. Are any of the guys that he's bringing right. over, are they supposed to, to replace Deathorn, or do you think he's going to be here um, for at least, you know, the beginning to, to see this through? Um, I don't necessarily know how Smith views his titles in terms of, um, cause I don't believe that he had an executive director of player personnel. I think he just had a director of player personnel and I'm not sure that that individual Michael doctor is coming over. Um, I haven't confirmed that yet. Um, so I would guess just based on that little bit of, of, I guess, insight that he probably is at least going to keep this recruiting staff for the next few days. Um, at least through probably signing day. I think at least that's what I would do. Um, and then we'll see how many of his guys come over in the meantime and what that means for the current recruiting staff. Um, it would have been nice to have seen these guys get a better chance because um, a couple of these guys were really working hard and they were putting together extensive boards, uh, recruiting boards of guys they never really could get to offer, or get to reciprocate interest just because um mel tucker went ahead and got himself fired so we don't really necessarily know what they could have accomplished but it would be nice to see maybe a few of them stick around if if that's what smith thinks uh should happen got it appreciate it yeah appreciate the question um mitchell are you with us sorry about that justin um so i i have my question but one of the one of the listeners uh brought up uh uh, a flashback. I, I don't know if I don't okay. know if you want to comment on it. You, you know, feel free, no comment. Spartan Twitter was taken for an absolute ride these past, you know, month or two, whatever, by a certain uh, MSU Twitter person pushing this narrative. You did your best to try and just speak the truth, but right. everything was kind of, you know, just being kind of so, everything was so bizarre. I don't know if you have any comments now that it's officially over and done with you know that just this crazy campaign that seemed like it was right. nothing um it just brought up you know a flashback so i don't know if you have any any comments right. on that that whole kind of situation right yeah i'm not i'm not here to necessarily call anyone a liar um i don't think that anybody would just completely make something up but I wish that maybe there was a little more due diligence or just um, caution before people went ahead and started to report things as fact. Um, especially, I've, I haven't been doing this a long time, but I would like to think that I have some sort of credibility. And I think I would like to say that I have some good sources. Um, so if I wasn't even remotely hearing anything to that effect, um, I would have liked to have thought that maybe that would have given somebody pause before they kind of really pushed so hard to spread that. Maybe that's me giving myself a little too much credit probably is, but I was, I was definitely very shocked to see the way that that went. I was shocked to see that the strength and the kind of the vocal nature of that, especially when there were not many people that were hearing the same stuff. Um, and especially when it's something that could get the fan base that excited, you would like to see a little more of some caution in, in the way that it is it is talked about. Um, I guess that's really all I have to say on the manner. I think um, I was very vocal that really that there was no chance of it happening. The only thing that I kept saying to the contrary was that every single source I had on the Urban Meyer matter was saying 
very, very adamantly that there was no shot, almost like they had a united voice. So that gave me some skepticism of, is everyone just kind of getting together and really pushing this, the, this thing of that there's no shot? Maybe, maybe not. But if that's literally the only cause or reason for me to ha- even think there's an inkling of it being true and no actual sourcing that it was happening, that's not enough for me to even try to give people any sort of false hope. That's just me kind of, and I wrote that a couple of times. I was very honest with people. I said, listen, guys, I don't know if I necessarily believe how strongly people are rejecting this. That kind of gives me some some pause. But honestly, I haven't heard anything to say that it's happening. Um, and even me just saying that um, was leading to people on Twitter saying, oh, you're just shutting it down because you don't have sources and you don't want someone else to break this. Well, here we sit on November 28th. And I had told those people, let's talk in December. Um, so yeah, my DMs are open. Um, December's not here yet, but let's talk. For sure, for sure. Very excited about the hire. Um, I'm all in on Smith. Uh, my original question was yeah. all the guys you know, entering the portal and jumping in, who, who's still on the team or you know, maybe even guys that are in the portal, do you think are the concrete guys that we need to try and build this thing around and kind of lift it up off the ground? Who do you, who do you think right. are the concrete guys that we need to keep in house and, and go after? Um, I think I personally just always gravitate, I gravitate towards offensive line and defensive line. I think you can pretty much um, get most positions from the portal outside of that. If you need to, um, you might be getting a junior instead to replace a sophomore that might leave and, I guess you lose a year of the process in that in that transaction, but I'm not too worried about any positions other than really offensive tackle and maybe pass rusher. So we'll see. No defense alignment have entered yet, I believe. Yeah. So um, looking good over there so far, but we'll see who the next defensive line coach is. I think if Michigan State could get Ethan Boyd back, I don't know necessarily if he would even um, like be the bona fide starter over Ashton Lepo or yeah Ashton Lepo or whether they rotate in or out or um, we'll see State and Ramble maybe at left tackle, and we'll see how the picture goes. But I just like to see um, some guys that are offensive tackles remain and, and give depth, um, just because there's not a lot of offensive tackles in the portal. But I, to be honest with you, I think um, not too worried about any sort of portal mass exodus. Um, and like I kind of was saying earlier, uh, the new coach um, at any program should get about 35, 38 spots to play with on, in his first year. And Michigan State right now has about 21 spots of, of new guys that can bring in. So um, I expect to see more people enter the portal. And um, I think um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And anyone that does want to stay, you really do know that they want to stay and that they're fully bought in. Awesome, Justin. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you doing this. Huge fan. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate that. Eli, I believe. Um, what do you have for us today? Hey, uh, yeah, just had a couple quick questions. So first one, obviously it's really early in like the transfer portal window. Um, I guess, is right. there any names that like Spartan fans should kind of keep their eyes on? Or, you know, is there anybody that there's mutual interest between? Um, I would say obviously like keep an eye on Aiden Childs if he enters. Um, but like – even there, like nothing's a done deal, and he might not even enter until after the bowl game if he enters. Um, we'll see if Bray staying has an impact on him, but his OC and his um, head coach, who was offensive minded, are gone. So 
I don't think that would be likely. And I already know of two other schools that have reached out to him as well. Um, so that's probably somebody that is worth monitoring. Other than that, I, I don't think that there's anybody really that I can give you. The staff, what they're going to do is they're going to look um, all over the country and they're going to look at both levels. They got guys from the FCS last year um, that were like very productive at that level. I'm always a fan of going ahead and getting someone very productive at a lower level as opposed to um, somebody that you hope could maybe uh, emerge as maybe a third stringer at Alabama and suddenly become good here. But there's also guys that are like guys like that that are good. Um, Jameson Williams at Ohio State was buried in that depth chart, and he was good at, at Alabama, to say the least. So I, I think, yeah, this staff is going to look far and wide. They're not necessarily tied to any single approach with the portal. And um, it's still very early, and you're not seeing that many guys enter just yet. It seems like a lot of guys have entered, and it seems like some big names have entered, but you guys haven't seen anything yet. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of huge dominoes to enter the portal, so um, a lot. So we'll see. Not, hard to give names right now. Okay, yeah, for sure. And uh, last question. Um, I'm very surprised to see that no Oregon State players have entered the portal yet, and I'm sure that has something to do with them still having a bowl game to play. Um, right. I was just kind of wondering, like, do you think there's going to be a few players that follow Smith over? Uh, and if so, like, do you have any guesses as to who that could be besides Childs, obviously? And um, I guess, do you think that happens sooner than later? Um, the sooner or later part, that I don't know. Um, I don't know if they were necessarily just waiting to see the next head coach was or if it is for the bowl game. I would assume it's the bowl game just because those guys shouldn't – they don't need to be in a rush to leave, even if they're going to leave, since – um, the portal will still be open after the bowl game. Um, so I don't know necessarily the timeline. I also don't necessarily know who is looking to leave. Um, even some guys that like tweeted like the heartbreak emoji or guys that might have been upset in the moment, um, when they sit back and they look at their portal options and they look at maybe the offense they had success in and, and, and what their other options are, I wouldn't be surprised if you even see some of those guys possibly head over to East Lansing. Um, you also don't know what like a lot of guys' true feelings are right now. So – Someone like a a Jack Velling, who was a tight end that had eight touchdowns at Oregon State this year, like he'd be a good candidate, but I have zero idea if that's something he'd be willing to do. A lot of these guys are West Coast guys, California, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii. So like you also don't know what their thoughts are on their um, willingness to come to the Midwest. Um, so those are some wild card factors that like I don't know, and they truly probably don't even know until maybe some of them come and take a visit to Michigan State. But if I guess I can say who they should target. I don't know what the chances are of getting them. Um, I would say like some of those um, speedy, shorter wide receivers, like a Bolden, like a Gould, um, those would be guys that they should try to target. Velling, who I said. Um, Taliese Fuaga, the offensive lineman that was one of the best run blockers in the nation this year, that's somebody that they should target. Um so those are those are guys that I would look at, but again, like it's so hard to say what they're feeling and how likely they are to come all the way to the Midwest. Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate it. Thanks for the question. All right, out the way. Um, what do you have for us today? Hey Justin. Hey Good. uh not gonna lie, I was just lurking on the uh, on the Beaver space, and some of them confirmed that Aiden Childs' uh, father has been in the space listening to us. And uh, it's also so rumors swirling around that Nick Marsh is trying to convince Aiden Childs to come to MSU. 
Yeah, I, I think that would be wise of Nick to do, uh, for sure. I don't doubt that. I, I haven't spoken to Nick about that. I haven't spoken to him about if he's had any conversations with Aiden. And honestly, even if I did, I, I wouldn't reveal them in their space. But I think common sense would, would tell um, Nick that if he can get a quarterback like Nick Marsh to come over to Michigan State, he definitely should. Um, I haven't spoken to Aiden Childs or his father. I don't know where their mindset is towards it. But I have spoken to people that would be kind of familiar with the way that he's thinking and leaning. Um, the only thing that I've heard so far is that he's not sitting there like angry at Coach Smith. Does that lead to him following, following Smith to Michigan State? Well, we won't know. We won't know that until those steps possibly unfold. But kind of the sentiments that I was told was that um, they were appreciative that he got game reps this year despite DJU um, doing pretty well. And um, that they trust him from as the perspective of being an offensive mind. So I guess we'll see what that leads to. That doesn't necessarily mean much um, until the kid actually enters and, and transfers and, and lands here. But I don't think that that's definitely um, – yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. All right. That was it, Justin. I appreciate you. Yep. Yeah, appreciate right. the question. MSU Grinch, what do you have for us? Hey, Justin. Um, I was, uh, I guess my question is about the high school recruiting class that we have right now. So, obviously, we have the eight right. commits. Um, all eight seem pretty solid from everything I've read. I know they're all Tucker guys. And uh, Coach Smith is going to probably take some Oregon State guys. I saw he offered one yesterday. Um, but my question specifically is actually about Henry Hasselback. Uh, that's a name I haven't heard from in a long time. Um, so I was wondering, uh, have you, do you have any read on him, uh, how solid, uh, committed he still is? And, um, uh, is he even a take right now? I know we don't have any quarterbacks, so I mean, quantity or quality, quantity over quality probably uh, at this point, but, um, yeah, I was just wondering about him and then also kind of like our, uh, the local high school kids in Michigan, um, like an Isaiah Marshall type. I saw an article yesterday about, uh, the kid from the tight end from Clarkston, maybe even a Beasley from uh, Belleville. Um, do you think Coach Smith uh, crack takes a crack at any of those guys this class? Um, we'll see. I think um, a lot of those guys um, probably are not looking to switch up at the very last minute. But knowing what I know about how those guys have already reached out to a lot of 2024 State of Michigan guys on on the first day, I guess I should say the first half day. Um, before they even landed for some of them. Um, they're definitely going to try to make inroads there. I know they've already reached out to some kids um, that like they might not even end up offering, but they just want to be visible. They want those kids as coaches to know that on day one that the state of Michigan is a priority. Uh, Coach Smith is going to be on the road um, this week, Friday for sure. Um, I think Friday is the soonest he can do it, but I'll have to, I'll have to look up the rules and, and get back uh, on that. But yeah, I think um, they're going to look at the state of Michigan very hard, uh, very quickly. I don't know the likelihood that they flip anybody, but um, as for Hasselbeck, um, honestly, no idea. Um, I haven't reached out to him. I, I'm mostly just giving these guys um, their space for the next week or so. They know, they're not going to be able to give me anything that insightful when they barely maybe had one conversation with a lot of these coaches. Um, so I guess if you ask me in about a week or so, I might have a better answer for you. 
Um, but yeah, right now I'm just letting these kids get their first conversations in with their future possible potential uh, position coaches and, um, and just going from there as, as uh, signing day gets closer. Awesome. Appreciate you. And uh, thank you again for all the work you guys do it over at uh, 247. Gets me yeah, through my work day. Appreciate it, man. Uh, likewise. Uh, thanks <laughs> for the support. Tommy, what do you have for us today? You can come off mute and ask your question. Oh, Tommy, what else? Justin, thanks for uh, taking my question. My question is about NIL. Uh, I know they, they talked to uh, him or Coach Smith about that, and he felt like it was in a good place. Uh, a lot of the fan base seems to be uh, disappointed with the Spartan Dogs for life and was wondering if there's some other options out there. Are you hearing anything about, uh, you know, other options that might be available or what the viability of Spartan Dogs for life is in the long term? Yeah, I haven't really dove into the NIL side of things at the end of the last uh, tenure just because they were expecting a lot of guys to transfer and they were looking to do a hard reset after kind of the new coach got here. So that would be the project here the next month or so. Um, but yeah, so like Smith's comments there stem from like him having conversations with donors and everyone around the program kind of being committed to help. Um, and like SD Prowl is, is they're like continuing to, um, they have every single member of the basketball team signed. Um, their advertisements are still at the Breslin. Um, they're at Ford field coaches are still wears the hoodie everywhere he goes. It seems like, um, so yeah, like, I guess we'll see what their commitment to football is like, um, under coach Smith, but I know Steve St. Andre was um, very impactful in the president presidential search. Um, he was listed as kind of one of the people that were on the search committee there when they kind of released those names publicly. So he's involved. So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, as the new coach gets there and as he has conversations with a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, NIL is going to probably go through just a reset as the new coach gets here because a lot of the rallying and, and that stuff infrastructurally is done by the previous head coach. So um, yeah, so I guess another thing would be to like see who's still here um, out of the people that were originally kind of part of that infrastructure um, in terms of the players that may or may not leave. And then um, they'll have to see where they need to reallocate resources in terms of the transfer portal people they're trying to get. So um, yeah, that'll be probably going through a reset here and we'll see where things stand um, after this next month or so. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate the question. Uh, Percy, what do you have for us today? Hey man, thanks. Hey, I just, Curious, I know you've dug a lot into, you know, uh, Coach Smith and Oregon State here in, in the last week or two. Yeah, I'm curious on his philosophy. Seems a lot like D'Antonio in, in, in yeah. the way he is. And I'm curious, you know, you go back to Le'Veon Bell and, and Connor Cook, and these guys were two and three stars and such, and he went and raided Ohio on the kids that maybe Ohio State didn't give a chance for. Do you get the sense that, that's where this guy lives. Cause I, you know, I gotta be honest. I never paid attention to Oregon state until this all came about. And I felt like even in D'Antonio's years, when he started to get some of those bigger four and five stars, it didn't go well for us. So just kind of curious where, where you think he's at and where he's been in his recruiting. Yeah, I think that's definitely not like a lazy or forced comparison. I think that's a valid comparison with coach D. I think their blueprints are pretty much the same. Um, and that comes from him being in a state where, like, he is not the flagship program when he got there. Um, obviously, Phil Knight and his money and the Ducks and those guys were, were the flagship program. But he went ahead and, and got guys that he thought were good, regardless of where recruiting rankings had them. 
Um, but at the same time, he um, he still went ahead and got some guys when he thought he could get them in an Aiden Childs. And they were four-star committed in this year's class and then a couple of them last year. And he goes ahead and he gets in the battles when he thinks he can win them and he lands those guys too. But in the early days when he had to build it up and, and they didn't they weren't winning a lot of games in Corvallis, yeah, it was it was pretty much the coach coach D model to a T. That's that's exactly how I would describe it for sure. Yeah, and I just feel like as I guess as a quick follow up, I feel like that's where we live too. Like obviously you're surrounded right. by Notre Dame and Michigan and Ohio State, et cetera. And I feel like our you know, this last coach, he went after these these big, big wins and I think we all grew frustrated when we didn't get a lot of them. And, you know, we had a, a decent right. class with a short amount of kids and it just feels better to go get 22 guys who, you know, where, where he can, he sees the potential. Right. Maybe others didn't and give them the time because they'll right. stay three and four years as opposed to the one and two. So I'm just, I'm, I just right. feel like it's a better way for Michigan state to live, I guess. For sure. And I, I think the best way would be to try to um, balance the two because for all the battles that Mel lost, um, like the countless battles to Oregon, um, the, the couple to Washington, the couple to Texas A&M, um, like for all the battles he lost, like there's not many head coaches that are getting Jordan Hall and Stanton Ramel and a lot of these guys by Job. Like there's not a lot of coaches that are able to do that. So like for, for all his flaws and all the battles he lost like that, there is talent that he brought here that most coaches aren't bringing to Michigan State. But at the same time, there was no excuse for how limited the board used to be once June would end. And he'd get like the, the handful of four stars that we should be giving credit for. But then there were so few, I guess, backup options or three stars right behind that. Um, and that's what led to those short classes. So ideally, you, you get a coach that could do both. I don't think that everything Tucker did was wrong in that philosophy. I know that now that he got fired and there was a lot of cracks in the foundation that we're finding out after, it's kind of cool to hate on every single thing of the blueprint and I'm not saying you are but like I've seen a lot of that elsewhere um but I don't think that it should be just totally reverting back to the thing of only getting the underrated underappreciated guys I think you have to obviously go ahead and and work hard and identify those guys but I think it'd still be cool to see some battles um but maybe just not the whole recruiting board be derived from like almost nearly impossible and nearly unwinnable battles yeah, 100%. I appreciate you, man. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate the question. Tommy, what do you have for us? Hey, Justin, thanks. Um, so, obviously, a lot of talk about recruiting. Do you have – kind of switching to, like, actual, like, philosophy or type of that, do you kind of know what kind of offense um, Coach Smith is going to bring? It kind of seems like with Oregon State, they leaned on the run game with, like, Damian Martinez and that O-line. But is that more right. – because of the limit at quarterback, obviously DJU was highly recruited, but kind of struggled right. once he left Clemson. So do you think he kind of leaned yeah. on the run game more just because of that's what they had to do? Or maybe even if you have a comparison, if you haven't dug too deep into what Oregon State has done offensively, I think we'd just kind of like to know what the offense might, might look like. Because obviously right. the past couple of years outside of K-9, it hasn't been great. Right. I think the best way to describe it is like they are a legitimate pro style offense. Um, so like what I mean is they're not just they don't call themselves pro style just because they're boring and they don't have like anything dynamic, um, which is kind of how I would describe um, kind of the offense that we had seen here recently. Um, it's like a legitimate pro style offense from the terms of how the run game is designed. Uh, Coach M, the run game coordinator and the offensive line coach. 
the stuff that they're doing with um, pulling tackles all the way across the line. And not everyone can do that because you have to have the athleticism necessary. Uh, but the stuff you've seen them do in terms of designing that run game, like Martinez is very, very good. Like he is legitimately one of the better running backs in the country. But like he's not a generational talent. He's not elite. He's not like a Doak Walker finalist type of running back. But the design and the scheme and the way that it all works together is what led to that success. And if you are able to do that, if you are able to design something so effective and you're able to recruit and develop offensive linemen that can make that work, then it's just natural to be a run first kind of a team. Um, it wasn't because like, I, I know I've like said this fact, like multiple times out here and it's getting repetitive, but like DJU was top 20 in quarterback rating. So it's not like they're trying to get the ball out of his hands and just run the ball. They were just genuinely that good at running the ball that, that kind of set the table for them. Um, and the receivers that they had, like it was, they had every reason to throw the ball. So it just is a balanced pro style attack. And they had a lot of motions and stuff like that. And, um, it's going to be, it's not going to be some air raid. Like you're not going to be seeing like a Bailey Zappy offense over here, probably no matter who the quarterback is. Um, it's not going to be that kind of a West coast run and gun, but it's going to be a legitimate, like effective pro style offense um, when it's working. All right. Thank you. Yep. I think um, that probably wraps it up. Um, any questions that I did not answer um, go ahead and tweet like in replies to this and I'll try to get to every single one of them. I uh, appreciate everyone that joined. Um, appreciate everyone that asked the question and um, I will definitely get this uploaded um, to the SD4L show uh, feed. Um, I'll upload this as a podcast episode, probably take a day or two um, because Twitter takes a while to send the actual archive that I have to rip this from and upload um, because why would Elon um, have a platform that works efficiently? Um, and then after that, you guys can catch whatever you missed over there. And um, the one last thing that I will say is for the final 45 minutes that the sale is still active for, we're doing 75% off um, on our site at 24-7 Sports. Um, that comes out to like 250 a month. And you're going to get 12 months of coverage. So that's everything from the chaos this next uh, month the new coaching staff that should be hired, uh, fall visits, uh, or sorry, spring spring visits, uh, winter visits from the portal, um, spring camp, the spring game, uh, off-season June official visits, fall camp, in-game visits next week. So you're going to be getting about 12 months of like the most crucial like moments of coverage for like two-something a month. And like I've said before, I don't know how many of you guys are aware of this, but the stuff I tweet and like my coverage out here is like maybe 1% of what I do. All my coverage is over there on the VIP board. So whatever questions you usually have that I see tweeted at me or DM'd at me, there's rarely an instance where that hasn't already been answered over there on the site before that. So definitely go ahead and give that a shot. I think it's definitely well worth your time. Um, to go ahead and do that. So you can find the link to that on the at Spartan Tailgate Twitter account. It's probably the pinned tweet right now, and you have about 42 minutes to go ahead and do that. So appreciate anyone that already is a member and appreciate everyone that joined here today. And um, we will probably do one of these again soon. So appreciate everyone joining.